This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Say hi to your mom for me. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. You crazy if you think I'm going to walk up some dark alley with a loud orange hat on my head and a whistle. What's up? Quite a bit. There's a lot of, lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have you. There's a lot of changes over here at WTM. A lot of ins and outs about eight months ago. <laughs> ins and outs that uh is that too uh on pc is that too blue for our podcast eight Three. months ago I'm totally missing the joke here are you not having a baby next month <laughs> <laughs> i am in about a month yes do we need do we need some education on the subject <laughs> I thought you were referencing something culturally that I just wasn't grasping, but no, that was like a like a. You're clockwork keeping the orange. reference local. That was like a Clockwork Orange uh, reference, the old In and Out. <laughs> well, I was I was watching Fargo was on TV uh, yesterday, and it was edited, so it was pretty funny. Buscemi walks in, you know, after he's shot, and he's like, "I'm taking the fucking car," except it says, "I'm taking the funny car." <laughs> But I was watching the scene at the filmed at the Chan Essen Dinner Theater, which is uh, when he has the escort, the prostitute, to go see Jose Feliciano. He got no complaints, right? <laughs> and you know, talking about uh, what do you do for a living? You know, mirror business. You know, just a bit of the old in and out, <laughs> bit of the old in and out. <laughs> he thinks he's so funny, so clever um but yeah the old in and out um yeah so with the impending birth of my child i won't be uh on the podcast as much for a little while uh this summer specifically i should be back and hitting on all cylinders by the time our horror extravaganza rolls around but uh we are blessed to have a guest co-host to do the show with you in my absence. Yeah. Mr. Stuart Balk from the Midnight Movie Cowboys, who's been on here a couple times already, uh, will be joining you. Yeah. I don't know what he's thinking, but uh, <laughs> we're going to try to make it work. It was his idea. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, it helps to keep the show going and, you know, don't have to bank as many episodes. And we can't really bank recently scenes. I mean, you no. can, but. You know, <laughs> you don't want to hear us talking about Batman now when it came out, you know, three months ago. It keeps the recently scenes more relevant. Well, especially this summer, there's not enough new releases to do like three recently seen episodes uh, in a week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. W- like when there's one big blockbuster every weekend and that's it for for new releases. Like, 
I can't I can't just uh, make up other new recently seen movies to talk about. Well, you still see three a week. <laughs> Actually, I've been I've had a lot of weeks where I haven't been able to go to the theater three times, and it's uh, rats. It kills me inside because I feel like I'm I'm not getting the most bang for my buck. Yeah, but uh, I, speaking of recently seen, I uh, had a week off of work and I uh, took full advantage of that. Watched several movies. Mm-hmm. I watched the eight movie Saw Blu-ray collection <laughs> over the course of about twenty six hours. Time well spent. Not well. <laughs> time spent <laughs> wait what do you do 26 hours what are you talking about 26 hours i was saying i watched eight movies in about a 26 hour window oh okay i was gonna say these movies are not like you know three hours long <laughs> the uh you know usually i look at the back of the box to see what the runtime is and then uh i my watch pile i sorted by runtime so i was like oh i I watch a 90 minute movie or I watch a two hour movie. Well, the back of the saw collection just says approximately 13 hours. <laughs> it only has the combined runtime. It doesn't have the uh, yeah. individual runtime. Mm. on it. But uh, yeah, that saw uh, series gets a little uh, kind of runs out of ideas around uh, number four. <laughs> And there's eight movies in it. So. And that's anyways. not even counting Spiral. No, no. And I, I'm not going to pay for Spiral. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it once. That was enough. But uh, uh, check out my letterbox for all of those reviews. There you go. If you're interested. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to drop this episode pretty quick. Before July, this episode will be out. And then we are going to do an episode on time after time. And then hopefully Demolition Man in the next week or two. Yes. And after that, I'll be pretty much done for uh, a month or two. We're going to bank an episode with Stu where you and I and Stu talk about Sleepaway Camp, which is a movie (laughs) Jones and I did around episode 40-ish, somewhere around there, early on in the podcast. Yeah, before I was a co-host. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think we gave it a, a fair shake. It's a, I mean, we both talked about how we you know, really enjoyed it, but it was a short episode and we weren't even into the clips yet. And I wanted to give it another go, you know? Yeah. Do it, re- really do it justice this time. It was more like a movie challenger or recently seen, like kind of extended episode. Yeah. For, versus like, our full like breakdown episodes that we've come to uh be more uh you known know. for <laughs> i i don't know where that was going but it uh i couldn't find it <laughs> <laughs> more in depth we are yeah. more in depth breakdown episodes if you will yeah not necessarily for films like sleepaway camp but we're definitely going to talk about it a lot more than we did in the first episode. And it does, it, it deserves it. Yeah. And this will be a first time watch for Stu. Nice little perspective there. See what he thinks of it. And yes. uh, he doesn't, it hasn't been ruined for him. Apparently he doesn't know the twist. So keep it that way. Yeah. And then he'll, uh, 
he'll hop on with you for a, a couple of recently seen episodes and then maybe another movie centered episode. You guys will pick something. Have you, have you talked about any, uh, any movies you might, might want to do for that? Not yet. I'm going to challenge him later in this episode uh, since Eric won't be here for the next recently seen. Mm-hmm. We discussed that to make sure that I can challenge him to something he hasn't seen yet. But uh, we'll have to we'll have to talk later about what episodes we'll do or what episode uh, length movie review we'll do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, as I'm planning on releasing the Sleepaway Camp episode at the end of August, to kind of transition from summer into our horror extravaganza with a summer camp slasher. Uh, and then we're also going to be doing Friday, Friday the 13th with Stu. Uh, we talked about recording that now, but I think we can just probably just do it early September, late August. Yeah. I know you'd like to do a Don't Breathe, so I think we'll do Don't Breathe. Yes. In uh, September or October. And then at least one more movie we'll, uh, we'll do, if not two or three more. So uh, plenty in the works over here at WTM. Speaking of Stu and MMC. Uh, they recently posted uh, the episode Stu and I did, kind of their sub sub show, the Mirrorball Movie Cowboys, uh, <laughs> our episode on the last days of disco. So you can check that out on their YouTube page. Go subscribe. Um, it has all their episodes on there. That at least all the ones that they've done since they switched to video. They still do audio only, but I mean, they <laughs> sorry, they still have an audio version. Right. Except for, I guess, the sub shows that I do with uh, Stu, the disco movies. There is yes. no audio version of that. I, th- I think they've been doing video for about six months now. So, I, and they they are pretty steady. They do about one a week, mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes more than one a week. So, yep, a lot of content there. If you're mm-hmm. uh, looking for more podcasts to follow, indeed. So, without further ado, I think we can get into it. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? All right. The first movie I'm going to talk about says it's from 2021. That may have been when the marketing started for it. Uh, There's a film festival it was at as well. This, uh, This movie, I saw trailers for it for well over a year. And it finally came out. In fact, I saw it at a AMC investor early screening mm. which was uh, something else it's called the black phone i tell you what it was a a full crowd and uh the guy who had the other half of my seat was about 450 pounds so it was a real comfortable hour and 43 <laughs> minutes <laughs> So do you think people's appetite for horror is back if it was kind of a near a sold out show? I don't know. I think a lot of those early access shows sell out just because it's a novelty. Like, oh, that's right. Sorry. I, I didn't hear you say the early access show. Yeah. So it was this, just released. But. Yeah. This came out on June 24th was the official release date. Okay. And I saw it on like the 14th or 15th Hmm. i think it was the 15th so i said about 10 days early or about a week early but yeah oh so you know i'm walking to my seat and i 
I didn't get the best seat uh, that I normally like to get, but like it's the only showtime, so I don't have much choice. And uh, as I'm walking up, I see this big, massive guy, and I'm like, damn, he's definitely in the seat next to mine. And uh, they're all two-seaters, so it's like... So you know, I wedge myself in, and it was a tight squeeze. And uh, the rest of the row is sold out. I looked at the map <laughs> to see if I could move over. The rest of the row is sold out. And like right as the trailers are finishing up, a group of uh, there, there's four seats empty next to me, and a group of three women come in, and they leave the spot next to me on the other side empty. But the lady puts her purse down in it, and I'm like I was sitting there for like. 20 minutes at that point and i had a hard time i like i i couldn't unwedge myself i felt mm-hmm. bad so i just i just sat there <laughs> and uh i was uncomfortable but uh anyways i think it went over pretty well with that crowd and like one of the guys i follow on twitter uh ryan l terry who's a uh he's a film professor uh down in florida mm-hmm. and he occasionally appears on our friends the the movie drone podcast sure does and like he i love reviewed, himself some horror movies he calls himself a uh, professor horror mm. and uh like i reviewed this on letterbox and I, I tweeted it out and i'll get to my review in a second but he's like how is this at 83 percent on rotten tomatoes it's like i don't get it and it was like people there's people who are apparently raving about it and but i've seen just as many people wondering where these people are who are raving about it yeah so it's it's interesting to see how it got you know the reception that it got because uh i don't know but i'll let's go through the details and we'll talk a little more about it it's directed by scott derrickson Stars Mason Thames, Madeline McGraw, Ethan Hawke, Jeremy Davies, E. Roger Mitchell, Troy Rudisil, uh, James Ransone. Uh, that's probably about it for the main cast. Synopsis After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13 year old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. So this this felt really like a Stephen King movie, but it's not a Stephen King movie. There was no child orgies or what? <laughs> well, there's there's supernatural stuff. There's kids riding bikes through town. You know, it just had that overall feel of Stephen King. <clears throat> and it's like there's a, the kid who gets abducted his sister has like clairvoyant dreams or like psychic dreams where she pictures the the grabber. They call him the grabber is the, <laughs> the kidnapper and uh, his victims. And so like part of the movie is her trying to <laughs> the child catcher. <laughs> yes. From uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> who may or may not have been an actual Nazi. Um <laughs> At least based based upon the Nazis, mm-hmm. but uh, Dick Van so Dyke's like, still going strong. Did you see that <laughs> that video of him this week? 
No, I didn't see a video of Dick Van Dyke. I don't know, somebody was just wishing him like a happy Father's Day. It was some like uh, paparazzi dude was kind of videotaping him. Looked like he was leaving a motel or something. Interesting. They're just asking him about a bunch of stuff. And he was pretty coherent and looked okay for 96. <laughs> Is his brother Jerry still around from coach? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, anyways, so like it. The, the girl having psychic dreams and trying to figure out uh, where her brother has felt really Stephen Kingish. Also, the uh, there's a disconnected phone that gets phone calls, <coughs> phone calls from dead kids. Like that feels real Stephen King ish. I, I feel like people are giving it more credit. Because it doesn't do like the super obvious thing, like the grabber is already killed like uh like six or eight kids and then when he gets this final kid like he's like bored with it almost like, like he doesn't like he's almost ready to just let him go but he he they can't uh for various reasons and like the kid won't play his games like like he has different uh things that he has set up and he's like oh i can't like part of the rules are if he, he only attacks the kid if the kid breaks the rules so like the kid does part of the, the phone calls are telling him which rules are are in play and how to how to not break them and uh so it's like a lot a lot of the movie is like oh the grabber left the door open and he went up to take a nap and he's just like waiting for the kid to come upstairs so he can beat him and then like the kid goes to sleep instead <laughs> but I will say it's, I mean, it's, it's good in parts. It's never great. Uh, and, and I won't say it was ever bad. It's kind of just middle of the road, probably better than the, the average bloom house release, but I, it's not a must see. Like it, it feels like a lot of movies that I've seen before. And I think if you kind of figure out where everything's going, like any twists and stuff you'll you'll probably see coming or when they happen you'll you'll kind of groan because it's like oh i've seen stuff like this a thousand times Mm -hmm. you know so uh like i said it's never really like bad necessarily but it's never great either it's just kind of in the middle so i'll give it a wtm last resort that's a last resort all right I saw a 2022 film just came out on Netflix a week or two ago. Hustle directed by Jeremiah Zager starring Adam Sandler, Queen Latifah, Juancho Gomez, Ben Foster, Kenny Smith, Robert Duvall, Jordan Hull, Jaleel White is in here. Your boy. Jaleel White. <laughs> Where did they dig him out from? (laughs) Uh, Julius Irving. There's a lot of NBA players in here. Uh, Specifically, Anthony Edwards. Uh, He plays kind of the main antagonist. Uh, Doc Rivers. I think that'll do it. Synopsis. A basketball scout discovers a phenomenal street ball player while in Spain and sees the prospect as his opportunity to get back into the NBA. So Adam Sandler's a 
like I said, he's a scout for uh, the 76ers. Has a, a tiny bit of a trouble pass that they get into later, but you know, he's a good scout. Um, he's always wanted to get into coaching and he has a good relationship with the owner, Robert Duvall. But of course, you know, he croaks like 10 minutes into the movie and his son, uh, Ben Foster is running the team and they don't have a very good relationship because he was supposed to be assistant coach, but you know, they're sending him back out on the road, hmm. the worldwide road. He makes it a point to constantly mention how he's missed like his daughter's, I don't know, like last nine birthdays, something like that. <laughs> he's always been on the road hotels airplanes uh, all over the world looking for nba players and he comes across one in spain played by wancho Hernan gomez who used to play for the timberwolves uh, a couple of years ago hmm. um, so another local connection um, there's also a 76ers assistant coach is dave yorger or jorger you know who i'm talking about he used to coach the grizzlies for like six years Vaguely. I've been kind of out of the NBA for well, that's 10 or so years. So I don't, uh, there's a lot of guys that I don't mm-hmm. recognize now. Because he's technically another local connection because he's from Staples, Motley, Minnesota. Staples, it's right in the center of the state. I don't even know if there's a thousand people in that town. It's very tiny. Oh, I thought you meant he worked at a Staples. <laughs> <laughs> nope we barely even have any staples around here they shut a lot of them down yeah the office max and office depots are are shutting down too the uh (laughs) the office store is uh on its last legs yeah just in general so yes he discovers young ernan gomez but he has a kind of a troubled past as well so it's a bit of a tough sell to get him into the NBA, get him drafted. So it's kind of about that struggle. Um, his wife is played by Queen Latifah, Sandler's wife. This movie was, I found it to be very average. It's predictable, which, which is typical for a sports movie. But uh, Adam Sandler was good again. He wasn't as good as he is in you know, Uncut Gems or Punch Drunk Love, but he's very solid in here. I thought Anthony Edwards was great. Uh, for I mean, he's just plays kind of a one-dimensional antagonist, just another basketball player that constantly talks shit to the protagonist. So <laughs> is it more dramatic or comedic? Much more dramatic than comedic. Interesting. Both Sandler's performance and the movie in general. They should have got Kevin Garnett in there to talk some trash to a <laughs> European player. Uh, I don't know if that would even get our rating. <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah, this movie is rated R. Hustle. What else is there to say? Yeah, it's, I say it's, it's pretty good overall. I'd say it's worth a watch. Uh, I didn't think it was uh, phenomenal or broke any new ground. There are some, there were some pretty lofty reviews I had heard going into this. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like what you were thinking. I'm like, really? 83? Because <laughs> this has a really pretty good score in Rotten Tomatoes as well. But I just thought it was kind of a sports movie paint by numbers. Uh, with, like I said, good performances, specifically from uh, Adam Sandler. And there's also, you know, those local connections kind of keep me more interested than I think I would have been mm-hmm. had there not been all those Minnesota connections. Right. So, uh, yeah, I will rate this as a watch this movie eventually. Eventually. 
I was kind of thinking when you were talking about the plot, I do remember a few years back, the Timberwolves made a second round pick of a guy from Africa. And the only footage of him was like grainy VHS footage. Mm. And this was in the 2010s. So something was fishy. Yeah. And uh, they found out later the guy was like 27 years old. And uh, like to be draft eligible, you have to be like 24 or under or something like that. And so they had to forfeit that pick. And then I don't <laughs> think he even got into the league. Yeah. I think he went back to, I don't even know if he was from Africa, to be honest. <laughs> there was, like there was a ton of red flags and the was like, yeah, let's pick that guy. Yeah. You know, and it turned out all the red flags were, uh, were accurate. Like, uh, yeah, he looks older than he is, than he says he is. <laughs> he's probably not where he's from where he says he's Rob and like where is this video coming from? they're using like a 1980 camcorder to record and play <laughs> basketball <laughs> hustle's basically just a, a remake of the 90s film my giant <laughs> people don't realize it i've been uh actually was trying to see if the air up there was playing anywhere Ooh, and, used to watch I, that all the time I, as a, as a think, kid I think it's on Hulu now, which I don't have, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I saw that in the theater as a kid and saw it maybe a couple more times. Right I grabbed that. that off of Showtime uh, about 94. But that's that on the regular. I don't think it's on Blu ray. They need to put it on Blu ray because yeah. we, we should do a uh, episode on that for movies from our youth. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be up for that. Because in that one, Kevin Bacon is a college basketball coach and he goes to Africa to recruit this guy who's never played organized basketball and he gets inducted into the tribe. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the scene they they like cut his stomach open and uh and then the guy's like, Okay, I'll come play basketball at your college. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's not like the most original the hustle doesn't sound like the most original basketball movie. Like yeah, it's been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not exactly that way, but like the same type of premise. Yeah, I mean, as far as a an R-rated f- family film, can't do much better than that. I right. mean, there's a lot of F-words and whatnot, but I think this is something you can show younger kids than a typical R-rated film. Mm-hmm. All right, on to my next one. Another 2022 release, a movie called Elvis, mm. directed by... Baz Luhrmann, starring Tom Hanks, Austin Butler, Olivia DeJong, uh, Helen Thompson, Richard Roxburgh, Calvin Harrison Jr., your boy from uh, It Comes at Night, mm-hmm. David Wenham, Cody Smith McPhee, uh, Luke Bracey. Dacker, Montgomery, Leon Ford, Gary Clark Jr. That's probably about enough. Synopsis is add a plot in your language. Oh, there, there's no synopsis on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an Elvis biopic, but it's a it's it's pretty exclusively about Elvis's relationship with Colonel Tom Parker. And it's almost as much about Tom Parker as it is about Elvis. And it's as Lerman. So it's really slick and stylish. 
in the presentation. It's probably not your typical biopic, although in some ways it is, some ways it isn't. I wasn't totally blown away about it, by it, but I, I did enjoy it. I found it really interesting, the Tom Parker stuff, because I didn't know hardly anything about him. And uh, he's a real promoter. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's... It's like watching like a documentary about Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan, mm. you know, like <laughs> that promoter superstar relationship. Yeah. And they included a lot of, a lot of the plot points were things that weren't necessarily widely publicized, at least that I am aware of. So I, I, I thought that was a good call because a lot of times when you get a biopic about somebody who's as famous as Elvis, it's just the same stuff that you already know about that person. Right. And it's like, well, I already know this stuff. It's nothing new. And so um, I thought they went about it a, a really good way. Like I said, I, I enjoyed it. Wasn't super blown away about it, by it. I think even if you're not an Elvis fan, you can get something out of it. So um, I would recommend a WTM eventually eventually all right next film i'm gonna talk about is from 1991 showdown in little tokyo directed by mark l lester who you would know from directing commando among other films starring dolph lundgren brandon lee the late brandon lee carrie Hiroyuki uh, Tagawa. Sorry, I'm going to butcher some of these names. Tia Carrere, which I will not butcher that one. Know her very well. Philip Tan. Rodney uh, Kegiyama. Ernie Lively. Uh, Takeo Fisher. Simon Ree. And that'll about do it for the main cast. Synopsis. Two LA cops with opposing views on what is the best way to uphold the law have to work together to bring down the Yakuza while trying to protect a beautiful woman. So this movie is an hour and 19 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I dozed off watching it and I never went back and watched the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. I got like a half hour in or something and <laughs> like, I, I can't keep my eyes open for this. So I... And then I, I don't know. We'll hear what you have to say about it. I think you probably like it more than I did, unless all the good stuff's in the second half. But uh, yeah, I didn't get around to watching the rest of that. Yeah, I guess I'd say, I'd say the, a lot of the better stuff, I guess, is in the second half. Um, I did have a lot of fun with this movie. It is, as I said in my letterbox review, it's terrible dialogue with even worse performances, <laughs> specifically Lundgren and Brandon Lee, who... <laughs> Well, they kind of flip-flop their uh, the stereotypes, don't they? <laughs> a little bit. Because yeah, Dolph Lundgren is someone who was born and grew up in Japan. You know, parents lived over there for the military, part of the occupying forces. And Brandon Lee is kind of more of the city kid, the L.A. kid. Although they both know martial arts. They do a lot of dick measuring throughout the film. Which, speaking of which, we could even get into a little bit of dick talk. There's there's a little bit you get a shadow of a glimpse they tease you with Dolph Lundgren's meaty hog in here oh my they just goodness. tease you <laughs> and 
because uh, there's a gratuitous love scene that he has with Tia Carrere, which uh, I believe it's a pretty obvious body double for Carrere. <laughs> they keep on showing her. There's, I think there's two scenes where you see her naked and it's always from the neck down. You never see her face <laughs> and her breasts in the same frame. And as we know from covering the movie Body Double, <laughs> we know what that means. Because I was thinking, I was like, okay, you know, I've, I remember Tia Carrere uh, uh, very fondly from my youth, you know, Wayne's World and uh, God, what's another one? Well, I mean, True Lies, she was in that. And what was another big one that she was in from our youth? Yeah, I don't remember. Isn't she in uh didn't she do a music video from uh Wayne's World? It was um Ballroom Blitz. Didn't they make a music video Ballroom Blitz with yeah, her? Yeah, I think it? so. Yeah. I also remember her in high school high and jury duty, but that's not what I'm thinking of. There was something else. She was in the one episode of Married with Children, which I probably actually would have seen that. Yeah, even even Wayne's World was enough. Cassandra was the apple of my eye for a short time, but she starts to undress or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, I'm actually going to see Tia Carrere naked. That's going to happen. And then I'm like, mm, I can't see your face. <laughs> she was in both Wayne's Worlds. So yeah, maybe that, that would be the other one. Wayne's World too. There's a, a scene where, a gratuitous scene where he has sex with her. And then he gets up to go take a dip in the hot tub in his like Japanese inspired compound that he lives in out in the countryside. He flings the blanket off himself. He's completely naked. And there's a, a glimpse. There's a shadowy glimpse of his, <laughs> of his member. Then he gets up and he just basically sticking his ass in the camera lens for like 10 <laughs> seconds. But then the yeah, others, the, the bad guys show up in a shootout battle ensues. But uh, there's a clip in there, which, uh, you know, I think we're, we've gotten to the point where we're going to have a, it's not, it's going to be a very rare uh, occurrence, but I think we're going to have to have a dick talk official like segment. So it needs <laughs> like an intro and you provided the uh, perfect clip from Miss March. Never thought I'd say this. Fuck that. Let me see your penis dog. So I think I'll use that with this clip, which is from <laughs> showdown in little tokyo just in case we get killed i wanted to tell you you have the biggest dick i've ever seen on a man thanks <laughs> i don't know what to say <laughs> it's it's just so non sequitur and just it out of the blue it's a couple lines earlier he talks about how uh i knew that was going to happen that those two were going to sleep together and was, you know she was she was afraid and, and he said yeah i saw you take a dip in the, in the tub as well i'd be afraid too <laughs> scared of his 12 pound meat hammer he has on him it's like full metal jacket nope <laughs> no black man <laughs> mississippi black snake <laughs> too big too big <laughs> Tubuku, Tubuku. <laughs> but uh yeah i think i'm gonna combine those two clips with maybe something else that'll be like a little dick talk uh segment so whenever we, there was a, a film we could have uh, used this for in one of our more recent, recently seen episodes, although I won't say which one because it'll ruin the movie. Yes. But, Major spoilers. <laughs> yeah. 
I think we'll, we'll use them when it's not a spoiler. Just, you know, we just got to comment on uh, full frontal male nudity because it's it's a rarity. More prevalent these days, definitely. Very much. They're they're working hard to catch up with the women's uh, <laughs> nudity. Sure like, oh. We got we to gotta make that number equal as fast as possible. <laughs> So yeah, a little disappointing. Didn't didn't see the full hog. Didn't see Tia Career naked. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this movie is uh, quite a bit of fun, especially if you're into the you know the cheesy. This came out in '91, but it has a real cheesy '80s feel. And there is some great action in here. Specifically, there's a fight in a, in a bathhouse, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> not as good as the Eastern Promises one. But like all the yakuza are wearing like those. Uh, what do you call them? They're, all, they're like diapers, but like the, like what the sumo wrestlers wear. Oh, kind of like that. Like those big white cloth. Yeah. I forget what they're called. Underwear diapers, basically. But they're all wearing that and they're fighting Lundgren and Lee in the bathhouse. And there's some pretty cool stunt work, some great falls. And they sweep the legs out. And the guy just falls like, you know, cracks his back or head on the side of the tub. And it all mm. looked pretty cool. Um, there's some good stunts. You, know, you get to see Dolph Lundgren uh, jump over a car <laughs> speeding towards him. <laughs> Basically just kicks, kicks through it. <laughs> see that on the internet every day. <laughs> uh, so there, I had a lot of fun with this movie. You almost can't go wrong at 79 minutes. You're almost wasting time not watching it. So I would recommend this. I will give it a eventually. Eventually. Yeah. It sounds like I didn't make it to all the good stuff. So, uh, I'll have to give it another try sometime. All right. My last movie of the episode. IMDb says it's 2021, but it just came out. So I don't know what they're talking about. It's called The Phantom of the Open. It's directed by Craig Roberts. Starring Mark Rylance, uh, Ian Porter, Sally Hawkins. Take her to the dance. Hmm? take her to the dance you're thinking sadie hawkins no it's, it's, it's called sally hawkins dance i don't think it's a sadie hawkins dance let's look this up google it because that's I've when seen... the, the the woman has to ask the man to the dance right i've seen several 1990s teen sitcoms and i have it on good authority that it's the sadie hawkins oh it is sadie hawkins you are correct sir wikipedia says it so it's official <laughs> Sadie Hawkins dance. I don't think they can have those anymore because the quality or something. I don't know. <laughs> also starring Jake Davies, Christian Lees, Jonah Lees. They are twins who play twins. Mark Lewis Jones, uh, Johan Myers. I don't know. There's probably more. The credits are in appearance order, so I may have missed a few. Uh, synopsis, Maurice or Morris Filtcroft, a dreamer and unrelenting optimist, managed to gain entry to the British Open Golf Championship qualifying in 1976 and subsequently shot the worst round in Open history, becoming a folk hero in the process. So I wasn't sure what to expect coming into this, but this movie is fantastic. I was really happy that I went to see it. It's it's kind of a classic underdog story, uh, a real feel good movie. There's a lot of heart in there, a lot of humor. 
it's a really funny movie. Mark Rylance is fantastic in the lead role. And yeah, it's a, the movie is about a guy who came up blue collar, worked in the shipyards as a crane driver. And uh, in his mid forties, he finds out that his job is probably going to be eliminated. And he just happens to see the British open on TV and uh, through like a comedy of errors, he ends up finding a way to apply to the uh, the tournament and gets accepted. And uh, having never played a round of golf in his life, his first round of golf was in the British Open. The movie, it doesn't end there. Uh, it continues on with the aftermath of his, uh, his historic uh, high score and uh, what became a movement after that. It's also a bit of a family drama. One of his sons was his uh, boss at the shipyards and there's a, a subplot where the son has to decide if he is a uh, going to be part of the upper crust uh, crowd or if he's going to kind of slum it with his family. He also has twin sons who are disco dancing champions, which is kind mm. of a, a good subplot too. But yeah, I, I love this movie. It was a, uh, like I said, a really good, feel-good movie. Uh, really funny, uh, really touching at times. And uh, really inspiring, really, because it's, I mean, this, this guy, you know, he's got some uh, philosophies about living life and, and looking th- at things in a positive way. And uh, it's not like preachy or anything like that, but uh, it's hard not to like him. And, uh, and it's what's interesting even more is that it's all true <laughs> and they have clips in the end credits to prove it, which is kind of amazing. But uh, I would say uh, get out and go see the Phantom of the Open WTM soonish. Soonish. All right. Yeah, I'm excited to see that now after having some uh, reservations when I <laughs> first saw and heard about it. So, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, and I, I'm not like a golf fan, really. Like, I know a little bit about golf. I don't golf myself. I don't really watch it on TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you don't have to be a sports fan or a golf fan to, to like this movie. It's, uh, it, it's definitely worth seeing for everybody. All right. Well, you challenged me to watch The Time Machine from 1960, and that's what I did. Directed by George Pal, starring Rod Taylor, who I knew I had recognized him, but I couldn't remember what from. But it was most likely Inglorious Bastards, because he played Winston Churchill, though it was only basically one scene. I think he was in the other Inglorious Bastards, too. Which oh, I really? Okay. Seen. And uh, I mean, he's from the birds, Yep. but the main one I know his voice from is Pongo, 101 Dalmatians. Yes. From 61. And the next person on this cast list, Alan Young, was the voice of Scrooge McDuck. (laughs) And then uh, Sebastian Cabot, I don't know if you recognize him. He did a lot of voice work too, but he was also in an episode of the Twilight Zone that, that was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I knew him from, well, I mean, I recognize his voice, I guess, from the Jungle Book and Sword in the, Sword in the Stone. I recognize his work there. But yeah, when he showed up on screen, 
I was like, yeah, where do I know him from? But I guess I don't know if I know him from anything live action wise. He was in an episode of the Twilight Zone where a gangster dies and uh, like he ends up in a like a fancy hotel or apartment and uh, Sebastian Cabot is like the concierge mm. and and you think he's the uh, the guardian angel or whatever and like so this this gangster he gets everything he wants he gets women he gets clothes he gets money he goes and gambles at the casino and he always wins and then he finds out like having everything you want is like hell and then uh mm. You find out that Sebastian Cabot isn't an angel; he's a devil, and the the guy's been in hell the whole time. No, yeah, he's also the uh, the narrator for Winnie the Pooh. Yes, a cast straight out of my childhood. Also starring in this film, Yvette uh, Mimiu, who I didn't really recognize or know anything from, but she is a striking uh, looking woman. Yes, gorgeous. Also starring Tom Helmore, Wit. Uh, Bissell, Doris Lloyd, synopsis, a man's vision for a utopian society is disillusioned when traveling forward into time reveals a dark and dangerous society. Some of this movie had already been ruined for me by Gary Sinise in the movie Ransom, but uh, there was still plenty of fun to be had and su- surprises as well. It wasn't, it didn't ruin the whole thing for me. Mm-hmm. See, you talked about the the Eloy and the Morlocks, which is just kind of like the last half, if that. It's the last forty minutes, maybe. I, th- I think even if you know what's coming, like I, I don't think it would ruin it to be honest. Because yeah. um, half of the the enjoyment is watching the special effects. Yeah, yeah he goes through time. He he makes multiple stops at different points in time. Uh, a couple in the in the 20th century and then kind of keeps on going forward and yeah like you said he's there's a lot of uh, fun special effects a lot of good model work uh, that was fun the, the, a lot of the sets were were a lot of fun to uh look at and some of the special effects were cheesy but they were all pretty creative i thought the lava uh, the burning lava was pretty good yeah they do a lot of stop motion for the uh the time travel sequences mm-hmm. some force perspective uh with like him going in and out of that almost like a coliseum looking place yeah with the giant doors and yeah this it really reminded me of a lot of star trek episodes from the original series and did you watch uh, much of that i don't think you did right not really I'd, I'd catch an episode from time to time but i mean that was probably 25 25- plus years ago now yeah and this film predates star trek by five or six years so i wonder if uh, they took some inspiration yeah uh, from this or well, the book is from the 1800s i think mm-hmm. yeah from the book motherfucker from the book i don't know gene ronberry maybe he was uh copying a little bit i don't know but you know in star trek he's always you know they're seeking out new worlds new civilizations and that's mm-hmm kind of what uh, the main character does in the time machine. He's making stops and it's, it's a different society every time he stops. Well, he's a, he's a Marxist and he's trying to prove that socialist uh, utopia is going to come to pass. And, uh, a little bit of a spoiler. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know how that would be a spoiler for anyone. You ruined it. Because it starts, what, uh, New Year's Eve, 1899. Yep. And, like, he stops in... Uh, 1919? Yeah, it's, it's during World War One, And then World and then War Two Again, World War Two, And then they have... Uh, in 67, I think, was his next stop. Yeah, they have one stop where they're doing the... Uh, the air raid sirens mm-hmm. and uh yeah so it's just like he realizes that people like don't get better they just get better at killing people yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes about eight hundred thousand years into the future so i think the dial said something around like eight eight hundred and two thousand something was the year he stopped I, I don't know if we should wait for spoilers for this, but he gets caught in the middle of a mountain <laughs> for, <laughs> for 800,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> so he really didn't have much choice. Yeah. So, yeah, it reminded me of a lot of Star Trek episodes when they meet these uh, uh, different civilizations. And some of them are indistinguishable from humans, except they act completely different, just like mm-hmm. the Eloy do. Uh, at the end of this film so uh, i i really enjoyed that aspect of it Uh, the sets are great fun special effects i definitely recommend it i will give it an eventually eventually yeah i agree with that i i think it's it's one you want to check out i think it's uh pretty uh uh, groundbreaking in a lot of the stuff they did and as Mm -hmm. as you said they I, I think a lot of sci-fi TV shows and movies have borrowed from it pretty significantly over the years. Yeah. So now we come to the part of the show where you challenge me to something, except that's not going to happen. You are going to challenge Stu to watch something. This is a challenge. Yes. I gave Stu a couple of options uh, to see if he had seen them before. And uh, he said one of them, he would uh, do anything to not watch a movie with the star in it. So we're <laughs> going to go with the other one. And uh, I'm going to make Stu watch the Fred Durst directed John Travolta starring movie, The Fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy that, Stu. I don't think Eric has seen that either because he doesn't have Amazon Prime. Yeah. I kind of want to buy the Blu-ray. Maybe if I do that, I'll, I'll lend it to you and you can watch it. Yeah. Maybe on Prime Days. I got to see what the price is. If it's 10 bucks, it's it's a done deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, I'm going to be absent from the next few episodes. However, I will apply my personal stamp on each episode as I'm going to be editing all of these with my... Uh, my free time in between diaper changings and whatnot. Well, you'll be on the next two episodes for our, yeah. our full movie reviews. Yeah. But our next recently seen, and then the next few after that, you won't be. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll still be applying my personal little stamp by inputting various clips as I see fit into the episode. <laughs> maybe, maybe commenting myself on what you guys are talking about. So, I think I'll have fun doing that, hearing what you guys have to talk about and then just editing it and uh, 
putting in some drops that I think will spice it up a little bit. Should be interesting for sure. Yeah. Uh, before we get into spoilers for a movie from 1960, <laughs> let's get in. Which, which we've already kind of spoiled. So <laughs> Not all the way. I mean, like I said, even if you know what's going to happen, like you got to see it to, to really know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? Let's get the plugs out of the way. You want to tell the folks at home where you can get some of our lovely merchandise? Yes, you can head over to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. Sure can. Uh, that link is also in our Twitter bios and our profiles, which are at watch this underscore movie and bread at positively wolf one. You can email us at watch this movie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com and please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. So it seems as if the human race is, I guess, devolved, devolution, I guess, to, to their what baser instincts. Is, is that how the way he puts it to, to cannibalism? The worst yeah. form of, I don't know what you want to call that, um, because uh, what, what are they called? The Morlocks or whatever? Yeah. And then uh, what were the other one? The Eloise? Or Eloy. 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 Yeah. So the, the Morlocks. So he thinks that Eloy have developed a utopian society. But like they just don't give a shit about anything. Mm-hmm. Like they're so yeah. lethargic and like not caring. And They are like cattle. As like he kind he, of points out in the one of the scenes he, as well. And then he finds out that they're like that because they're basically cattle for the Morlocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Morlocks feed them and uh, feed on them. Oh, yeah. They feed them first. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, they're like, where's all this fruit coming from? I'm like, I don't know. It's just here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just there. And he's like, doesn't anybody do anything now? And like when he first gets there, there's a woman drowning and everybody's just like sitting around like nothing's <laughs> going on. Just it's watching. Like a, just a bunch of Phil Collinses out there. Yeah, and then he finds out like, oh, the Morlocks are the ones who are feeding them, and then like every day they they go grab a handful, and then like they just slaughter them, and and that's their food. And uh, they live underground, but they're they're the ones who are really in charge, mm-hmm. and uh, they're basically savages. Yeah, Gary Sinise uh, didn't explain it as well, and I think he kind of gets it a little incorrect. And he's talking about in Ransom. I need to watch it, Ransom. It's on my DVR. I would uh, challenge you to it, but uh, I'm not going to be on the next recently seen. I'm, uh, I have Ransom from like 1946 and then Ransom from <laughs> whatever the Mel Gibson one is. They mm. played them back to back on TCM. So I figured, oh, what the hell? They may or may not be related. I don't know. Mm. So I don't, I don't know what Gary Sinise said, but uh, I'll watch that relatively soon i think yeah, he kind of misrepresents it a little bit but m- maybe he just did that to avoid spoilers maybe he's, he was he's um, telling mel gibson about it <laughs> i mean he, he could have been on painkillers i mean he did lose both his legs in the war <laughs> he sure did magic legs <laughs> and then he goes on a shrimp boat with colonel tom parker <laughs> <laughs> that's how it went right yeah <laughs> well i mean speaking of what elvis is in them is in forrest gump so this is true yes 
if he met Elvis, left, he surely met Colonel Tom Parker. They left that part out of the Elvis movie. They they said everybody <laughs> knows that part already. <laughs> this has been done to death. Everyone knows that <laughs> him and Forrest had a, a chance meeting. We're getting off topic, but I, I saw some people on Twitter complaining that the Elvis movie didn't make it clear that he met Priscilla when Priscilla was 14 and he was 24. Hmm. But it was fucking Memphis in the 50s. Like, that was normal. Like, yeah. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis married his 13 year old cousin and nobody gave a shit. Mm-hmm. Well, they kind of did once they found out it was his 13 year old <laughs> cousin. I think they cared more that it, she was his cousin than that she was 13. Yeah. I mean, that was about the time that things started to change with, with uh, in terms of age. But even now, the South has some uh, pretty lenient uh, laws about child marriage. Do they? I think uh, some of them have a pretty low uh, age limit as long as the parents consent. Well, I think in most states, you can be pretty much any age almost if your parents give consent. The age is pretty low. Yeah, and some of them it's like 12 still. I saw somebody on Twitter had it a few months, like a month or two ago. This is why it's fresh in my memory. I don't even know why it came up, but it's... Anyways, it's got nothing to do with the time machine. You guys are exchanging hard drives? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. No comment. That's That's perfect. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I forgot about that. But anyways, yeah. Back to the time machine. The time machine's rated G. There's no pedophilia in it. So. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was wondering, like. Maybe that chick in the river is like 14. That's I what I was know. kind of thinking. Like, well, as I was, as I was watching, I'm thinking like, I bet you she's probably like 16 and he's like this 35, 40 year old dude. <laughs> oh, here. I, that's the, the first trivia on IMDb. Yvette Mimu was actually underage when shooting began. She turned 18 during the shoot mm-hmm. and was not legally supposed to work a full shooting schedule, but she did. Because it's late fifties, Hollywood. Of course, she was 17 when they shot that stuff. <laughs> that is true. That was pretty much the MO back then. Yep. And then everybody was shocked that Harvey Weinstein was having sex with actresses to give them roles in the, <laughs> uh, the movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only like 500 movies that make fun of that. Nobody <laughs> knew about it. Best kept secret in Hollywood. Nobody knew about it. We just have like a, a thousand movies where that's part of the plot line <laughs> going back to the thirties, <laughs> not a plot line on the time machine. <laughs> like you said, the special effects were a lot of fun. There was, okay. So I forget the guy's name, but kind of the, the fatter dude in the beginning. <laughs> I think that was Sebastian Cabot who, who we talked about earlier. Yeah, the guy from the Jungle Book and Winnie the Pooh narrator. Yeah, he, I liked his character a lot. It was pretty funny because he would, everything that uh, the main character talked about was just preposterous. And <laughs> even as he's explaining time travel in the, in the, in the fourth dimension, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny, which it, you got to have somewhat of an audience surrogate. I get that uh, for the exposition. 
but it was still pretty funny uh, explaining that to him. And then I, I thought it was funny that, so at the end, he's, t- he's talking to uh, the blonde, the Eloy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's talking about his, his friends back in his time. And he's supposed to be meeting them. You know, oh, I'm probably going to be late. I'm like, you're in a fucking time machine. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to be late for dinner. Because at the beginning of the movie, you know, he's, oh, he's late. You know, if he, he says if he's not back by eight, then start without him. I'm like, how is he late? He's, he has a time machine. <laughs> he's in a time machine, exactly. It's it's all by feel. Because it's all, <laughs> it's all. So the deal is like the time machine doesn't physically move like in the three-dimensional space it only moves through time mm-hmm. so like the only thing that changes in its position is the time it never leaves the location where it's at so that's why he gets stuck in a mountain at one point yeah because, like the mountain builds up around him which it was kind of questionable because like there's just like a cave just that fit perfectly around him mm-hmm. but yeah then the, the time machine it, it's not like you set the time or date you want to go to there's a lever to go forward and and backwards and mm-hmm. depending on how how far or how hard you push it depends on how fast you go through time yeah and so like you got to kind of finesse it if we only want to go a few days or a few hours because the first time he does it he goes basically in just a couple hours into the future right because it's uh to demonstrate it, he lights a candle and sets a clock. Yeah. And yep. then he, he just puts it for like like a second or two. And then like the candle melts and the clock is ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, however long it was. But uh, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe you're right. He has a time machine. He can go back as far <laughs> as he wants. I guess he, he can only go back until he left because then he would be if he went back further he would be occupying the same space as the time machine before and then what happens see i don't think they even thought that far ahead or i don't think they think so they thought about that there's a couple other plot holes where i was thinking "Mm, i don't think that's how it works but but he was outside the garage right oh what at the end yeah because he had to drag it back yes to drag it back which I, i appreciated that he had to do that. And then he had to go back and save the Eloys because mm-hmm. he's that type of guy. He is. Even though he was all disheveled and beat up and dirty. <laughs> it's so funny when he, he, in the beginning, when he appears, you know, he's late, but he, you know, he comes in all disheveled, like he said, and he just looks exhausted and he sits down and like, here, they have something to drink and they start pouring them wine. Yeah. <laughs> like here, drink some wine quick. <laughs> I like the guy that pours him the, the wine is uh he's a wino himself. He's like an alcoholic. So like he mm-hmm. pours himself a, a glass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he's drinking through the, the entire movie. Yeah. When he's on screen. Next time you watch the gremlins. Now that uh, I've challenged you to a couple of these old sci-fi movies. When, uh, when the dad is at the invention convention. Mm-hmm. And he's calling home. You're going to have to look in the background and see. Because uh, at one point, the time machine from this movie shows up. And also, Robbie the Robot is on the phone. Well, I remember Robbie the Robot being there. We talked about that. Yeah. But okay, so the time machine just appears and disappears in the background? I think so, yeah. Okay. And it's the one from this movie. Um, we're going to do time after time next. And that time machine, it's it's kind of the same, like, 
basis like it's still hg wells in his time machine but the time machine in that movie looks different and it works differently too Mm -hmm. all right so anything else you want to discuss no i i I mean there's not a whole lot to discuss with this movie beyond you know what we have already talked about but uh yeah i'd recommend watching it eventually um just because it's so influential and and groundbreaking in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. Makes me want to go back and rewatch Star Trek. I haven't watched that in a long time. There might be about 10 episodes on Paramount Plus if it's. Yeah. I mean, it's on Netflix, I think. Is it? I know Paramount has all the other Star Trek. I don't know if they have the original series. Yeah. But like most of their older series are missing a ton of episodes. So, Mm -hmm. anyways. All right. Well, we will check you later. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. Hey, man, you're off my case.